I was a little bit disappointed when I heard that uh, the phrase prayer for the Padres didn't have anything to do with um, Father Daniel or myself. <laughs> so apparently there's some sports thing happening, and it's about competition and it's about who's the greatest. And so that's one way to kind of enter into the, the message of the gospel today. In sports, it makes sense. You're competing to see who's the best, and that's fine. Nothing sort of wrong or sinful about that as such. Within the context of the church, though, there's something else totally different happening. And the disciples don't understand that the church is not like that. And that the spiritual life and the, the kingdom of heaven isn't like that at all. And so they go to him and they ask, uh, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's the greatest? Who's number one? And it's a little bit disappointing because there's still 18 chapters into Matthew's gospel. They're still not understanding what humility means, which is one of the basic Christian virtues. And that's something to just kind of pause and reflect on. The disciples themselves, the people that were the closest to Jesus, in their, like, fullness of age, not as little kids or not as teenagers, they still didn't understand one of the most basic lessons. And he says to them, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That late in their life, that late in their journey with Christ and in their vocation, Jesus told them, you might not even go to heaven. So forget about, you know, I've been going to church and I've been praying all my life and I've been going to, I've been doing all the stuff all my life. I'm good. No, you're not. Never ever assume that it's locked in. The disciples, even that late, Jesus' response to them is, unless you turn, that means become something other than you are. You will not enter the kingdom. Forget about first. Forget about first. You're not even getting in with that attitude of arguing with each other about who's better, who's greater. Whoever, he says, whoever humbles himself like this child. So he, he's sort of illustrating to them how backwards they are. Forget about who's in charge, who's number one, who's the greatest, who's the most powerful. It's the opposite of what you think. It's not number one. It's who is the most humble. Like this child, he is the greatest. In other words, who's the greatest? The one who doesn't care about being the greatest. The one who, that's not even on his radar. And whoever receives a child like this in my name receives me. There's a lot here. Just in that phrase, whoever receives a child in my name receives me. But among other things, just go to the context of arguing about who's number one, what, what state of mind do you have to be in to argue about who's the best? Well, at that moment, you're really just worrying about yourself. Ambition, and all of us have this kind of ambition, and I can speak from a lot of my own experience, ambition like that, that where we desire really deep in our hearts, recognition, or accolades, or whatever, different types of honors, 
we want the best house. And if somebody has a house better than ours, it bothers us. If somebody has a car better than us, it bothers us. If our stuff is, if, if our know, if our kids don't have the best grades, or if they don't, I don't know, whatever, our appearance in general. Our insecurity, our feeling that we're missing something, that we're not loved, make us think that makes us think that if we get those things, then we'll earn that love. And Jesus, among the other things he says, he says, whoever receives a child like this, the basic message is, maybe think about somebody other than yourself. And maybe that'll help you more than getting all this stuff that you think will force people to like you. But the receive a child thing kind of cuts in a different way today. And this is certainly about the abortion and about the contraception issues that are really prevalent in the world today. Think about that attitude versus whoever receives a child in my name. Receives me. Well, if we reject a child, who are we rejecting? That's one huge issue. But I want to, and I'm saying that to many of you, but I want to say to, to whoever is not of that, those attitudes, you're not done yet. You're not, you still might not even be getting in. Because our ambitions, and this I see a lot more often, our ambitions for the house and the career and the money and the car, even if we're still receiving the kids, maybe we don't care about them. Maybe we're ignoring them. Maybe we're not really receiving them. And maybe the extra hours at work to get the extra nice car is a rejection of the children that Christ is sending to us in His name. So it's, your job isn't done when the kid exists. Receiving a child in Christ's name is every single day. If not, then there's this terrifying passage. Whoever causes a child to sin, it's, it would be better to have a millstone. You ever see a millstone? It's not. I'm, I did this, but it's way bigger than that. It's a big rock fastened around your neck and you're thrown into the sea. It's a, it's a terrifying, threatening image on purpose that Christ is doing. If your hand or eye causes you to sin, I'm going to make it clear right now, those are not the things that cause you to sin. So please leave your body alone. It's fine. Okay. It is a thought or an ambition or sometimes a, a, a bad friendship that encourages you to, to do bad things. It's bad habits. Those are the things that cause you to sin. And even if you love them as much as your own hand, it's better to lose them. It's better for you. Whatever you lose to gain the kingdom of heaven is okay. It's worth it. Why is it worth it to lose all these things that you care about to gain the kingdom of heaven? There's a missing piece of the picture that I think, that's the reason why I read almost the entire gospel today and I'm kind of commenting on all of it because it really all ties together. The missing part is the sheep that went missing. I'm going to read this part again because it's really powerful. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Doesn't he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, he rejoices. Forget about being the best. 
don't even like worry about understanding yourself. How can I be the greatest? How can I be number one? How can I be the greatest? No, it's the total opposite. You are the one that got lost. That's what Christ wants us to understand. Instead of judging others, looking down on them, despising even little kids, looking down even on little kids, who do you think you are? Who are you to judge and think you're greater, greater than anybody else? It's not your business. As far as you're concerned, 99 of them, all the rest, everybody else is fine. And you're the one that went astray. You are the sinner and your sins are your business. And that's the thing you should be concerned with. Not competing and winning over everybody else. We are not the greatest. We are the worst. Now why is that important? And why is that kind of solve this problem? Because when we understand ourselves to be the worst, then we understand Christ not as the referee at a game where we're all competing with each other. We understand Him as a shepherd who leaves everybody else and comes just after me. And if I understand and, and can almost feel that that's how much I am loved by Christ, and if I can let that really soak in, then my insecurity is going to go away. And my competitiveness and my ambitions are not going to be as important. So Christ leaves all of those things and He asks us, cut off your hand or eye or whatever it is, because we are worth it.